Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. I'm excited today to share with you my friend, Michelle Morin. She's from Maine, which I think makes her singularly hearty and smart, and I have so enjoyed connecting with her online. She is a wonderful writer. Um, Michelle stood out to me right away because of her insights into her relationship with God and uh, her her word craftsmanship, and so we're going to hear a little bit uh, from her today about legacy, and Michelle, would you just begin by telling us a little bit about your family and your ministry? Well, it's fun to be with you. I feel like we're friends already. Um, I have four sons and I have a wonderful husband who has put up with me for 30 years. We just had our 30th anniversary. We live out in the country in Maine and I have a great big garden, which is still pretty much just sprouts coming out of the ground, but (laughs) eventually will produce a lot of things for me to can and put on shelves in my basement for the winter. Um, We have a large St. Bernard dog. Wow rules the roost and I live in what I guess you would call an emptying nest because my four sons two of them are married and we have three grandchildren from them and then my number three son will be moving out into a house that he's going to be building out back and then number four son has just graduated from high school so there's big change afoot here on this hill in Maine how are you processing that up and down, all around? Are you in victory? Are you can't wait? Are you grieving? What's happening? I'm trying to stay with it. It's like riding a bucking bronco because um, <laughs> I, um, I have a huge and very thick feelings to deal with later file that if I'm not careful, I would just stick it in there and it will hit me all at once someday, 10 years from now. So um, I'm trying to stay with it and just process the, it's little things. It's so funny. You know, the things that drive you crazy, like packing lunches, you're like, Oh, I'm going to miss packing lunches mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, or it's going to be so weird to have two empty bedrooms upstairs or that kind of thing. It's always the little changes that make you realize that the big change is on its way. So Isn't that's that what I'm case? trying to do. Isn't that the truth. And the fact is I don't like to grieve, you know, it hurts. And I remember at a thrift store, I picked up a DVD of Disney princess songs. And so they're from all these videos that we watched growing up with the girls. And I oh. put it on full blast and I was singing away and then I started sobbing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, because you right. missed your little princesses. Miss my girls, yeah. Hmm. Well, I love it that you say you have this file, but I'm a little worried that the file is going to burst open someday. And how are you going <laughs> to... You were just saying that, right? Or you yeah, really well, do I, have I'm a doing file. better than I used to. I, I'm aware of the file now, so okay. I, don't, I don't shove things into it like I used to. So. Well, you know, awareness is half the battle, isn't it? Because you know, it is. Gonna, yeah, because it helps you leak out a little bit at a time. And the Lord knows how much we can take and how much grief we can take. Uh, when my mother passed, when my mother passed away, my friend Lorraine, who I have interviewed for this, is so wise, and she wrote me a sympathy card, and she said, uh, "Sue, my I'll miss my mother." out of the blue 10 years after she died. And so look for that and grieve it when it happens. And it's been, 
I'll I'll call my sister and go, I miss mom. She goes, don't talk about it right now. <laughs> it's like, it just comes out of the blue. Yeah. So, yeah. Grief is unruly. It is unruly, and our country is experiencing so much of that right now. Uh, even though this won't be broadcast right now, it is June, and there's riots all around us, and racism has ra raised its ugly head. How are you processing that? Can I ask you that? It's not on the script. Did you hear me? You froze for a minute. Oh, okay. I asked, how are you processing everything that's going on in our country right now? Oh, I'm trying to stay aware of it. And it's, we're pretty isolated out here. And it, I have a, just about a vertical learning curve when it comes to racial reconciliation and just understanding the conflict because it just doesn't exist here in Maine. And even for me to say that, that it doesn't exist, there, I'm sure there are people who say, yes, it does. Mm -hmm. But I'm so isolated from it that I'm, I'm learning, learning, learning and listening and praying really a lot for the people that I know are just devastated by mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very confusing to me. I feel like I too have been untouched too much in a sense that makes me bigoted in a way that I haven't grieved right. enough for my brothers and sisters of different colors. And I've felt like, well, since I'm not racially prejudiced, then I don't need to repent, but I have felt more of a culpability uh, mm. in, um, in asking God's forgiveness for not grieving alongside my brothers and sisters. So we've been talking a little bit about grief. I know that's not your legacy. And um, to make your life count, I see your legacy with words. And I'm not going to tell you what your legacy is. But what I appreciate about you is your way, <laughs> as your way with words. And also the fact that you um, live in Maine. I don't know that I visited Maine, you know, for the first time last fall. and. Uh, and then I've read books about Maine. And then also that you have four boys. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. I have three girls. So that makes us different as well. But what legacy do you want to pass down uh, to those who know you and love you? Well, I've thought a lot about this because um, we're, a, we're not a backward looking family. Mm. So I'm, I'm well aware that there will not be um, like, I don't know who my great, great grandparents were. And so I don't expect that my grandchildren's children will even know my name, but I, I don't want my influence to end. Okay. So even if they don't know who I am, I just want to make sure that they know what's important. And the way I see it is that there's really only two things that last in this world. And one of them is people. And one of them is God's word. Hmm. And so. <clears throat> I've really, I think I've worked hard to bring that together in our family. Uh, I want my kids to know that I love them. I want them to know that I love God. I want them to know what's been important to me. And the only way to really make that happen is just to, to spend time with them and talk to them and let them know how, how valuable they are. And then, um, wait, I want to ask you a question. The, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, my mentor has said the same thing to me for years. Really? The only two things that last are people and God's word. And so right. I want to know where you got that. I'm sure it's biblically based. Well, it, it, the, the biblical narrative lends towards that. And I don't have a chapter and verse for it. Um, although there's lots of verses about how the word of God endures forever. Right. And we just know from, from 
the biblical record that people are eternal souls and we don't just go poof and disappear and there's there's huge huge um consequence because of that you know it's not that it's not that the person that um doesn't know the lord is just going to stop living and become a, a a memory it's just it's that the consequences of their choosing to to bear the consequences for their own sin themselves no matter what you believe that is they've made that choice you know mm-hmm. to, to to have that be their um responsibility whereas those of us who know the lord have given that to, to him and we're depending on his grace because of our sin that's that's really the only difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is, is that we've decided that we aren't willing to bear the consequences for our own sin we're going to take take the grace that's offered and so you know i i just so want my my family to know the truth and to really live within the truth and to value it and and i want to bring those two together when you when you come across someone whether it's in your family or not who doesn't accept that perspective on life and death how how do you respond still wanting to give your legacy yet how do you respond to someone who says wait a minute i don't even agree with that there is a god or that there's an afterlife or that i sin well i i guess i just have to deal with it on a case-by-case basis depending on what their objection is but you know trying to be as winsome as possible and that that's a big deal here in maine because we're not this is not um it's not part of the bible belt that's for sure people don't have room in their life for god or church and some of it is i think everybody just works really hard Mm -hmm. and some of it is just that independent mentality um so there's a there's something that has to happen even before someone um, it's like pre-evangelism. You know, you have to you have to even just win the right to talk about spiritual things around here because they're just not on people's mind. Remember back in the day when you could walk up to somebody and say, "What would uh, what's the question from the four well, spiritual laws or whatever?" If you were to die today, and to be asked, "Why should I let you into my heaven?" What would you say? Well, no one. You don't even ask that question because no one's thinking that mm-hmm. anymore. Here, it's they're they're just mowing their lawn and making sure they can pay their light bill and you know go to work and watch netflix and it's just a different life than what it would have been back in the 60s and 70s when those questions were a big deal so there's an awful lot of ground laying that has to happen before you win the right to share your world view with somebody at least in this part of the world i think it's true everywhere um in our town everybody you know they're known for being nice and civil and they mm-hmm. mow their lawn they mow their lawns they pick up after their dogs and they just don't need god it's a right. wealthy it's a wealthy town so people for the most part have jobs mm-hmm. and um there's no need there and so uh the grounding work for me is to come along someone one by one which seems very slow i'd rather speak mm-hmm. to the multitudes but uh our pastor has been calling it gospel uh, evangelism is a long game, you know, it's called planting the seed in someone else. It really else. is. Yeah. And you have to come alongside of them. So when their day is bad or when their life does fall apart, we as sure. believers are there to say, you know what, Jesus loves you and does have a wonderful plan for your right. life. Right. 
Right. And sometimes yeah. if you show up with muffins or something and muffins make everything better, you know, they do. It, it makes it gives you something to talk about before you talk about the serious things. You can talk about the muffins. So, mm -hmm. yeah, right. I just took some a casserole to neighbors because they let it be known that they don't like to cook. And so they haven't been able to go to restaurants. And then the next, oh. the next text, I invited them to listen to our message online at church. And I didn't hear back from them on that. So I thought, I better go back to the casseroles. I'm going to do some backpedaling. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, because I don't want to lose their relationship just because I invited them to church online. Right. Yeah. Right. So let's go back to your legacy. I love it. To be winsome. That was one of my words of the year a few years ago. Because of it. If we're, oh yeah, if we're not winsome for Christ, then why bother? Right. We don't want to make we don't want to make him look bad, and I know I can't not do that without his help. So, what are some ways that you are passing down your legacy? Well, I think it shows up most of all in our priorities. You know where we spend our time, uh, how quick we are to put down what we're doing and look somebody in the eye and listen to them and spend time talking about the things that are important to them, thinking about what they might need. And, you know, if I want my family to, <clears throat> to value the word of God, then they've got to see me reading it. They've got to see the reality of it in my life. If I am living in a way that's not consistent with it, then they, sh they have no reason to listen to anything I, I say. And, um, I'm, I'm more and more being shaped by the idea that the Bible is not an answer book. You know, a lot of times I think that's um, one way we deal with the Bible is by trying to turn it into a textbook on eschatology, looking for secret messages about when Jesus is coming back or arguing about did, did God create the world in seven days or was it seven eras or did he even create it at all? Or is this just a fable? You know, to me, that's not the purpose. The, the Bible is really more of a question book than it is an answer book. Because what do you mean by telling that? Us, well, I think it's telling us what questions we should be asking. The questions that we don't even, that don't even occur to us because we'd rather argue with somebody about some inane topic of doctrine when really the question is, who is the boss? Or um, what's important to God? Or um, is he really enough? you know, the, the questions that we don't really want to deal with, um, we find them in the lives of the characters that are in the Bible because the Bible's story, and we look at those stories, and our tendency always is to put ourselves in the position of, like, you know, in David and Goliath, then we think we're David because we're going to kill the giant of overeating or the giant of laziness or whatever our sin is. But really, you know, we're the quivering Israelites standing there hoping that someone will come and take our place and be our champion and jesus is david and mm. you know it's we we totally miss the point sometimes when we read the bible but i i'm more and more realizing that it's, it's more of a question book than it is an answer book mm. is that going to be your book that you're writing no no but this it is should all be coming. i love it <laughs> okay here let me tell you what to do with your life uh, yeah, just figure out 15 questions that the Bible is asking, and then you answer them as Jesus would, and there's your book. Okay. Thank you. I'll take note of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll start working on it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is 
profound and I love it. And I read something on Instagram and I wish I would have written it down, but it was something about how do you feel once you've met all your goals and then you realize they weren't the right goals to have? It was something oh, that I thought, whoa, you know, oh. that makes us say, let's have God design our goals. Uh, right. We were reading in John this week and it's Jesus said again, you know, my meat is to do the Father's will. That's what nourished him. So that's what fulfills us mm -hmm. is to do the Father's will. So absolutely. Uh, what changes did you have to make or obstacles did you need to overcome to make this legacy? I'm sure it's ongoing happen in your life. It is. It is ongoing. And, you know, if I, if I look back over my, my um, history, I'm, if somebody had been wanting to vote for least likely to have a family of four boys live in the country, have a garden and homeschool, <laughs> I would have been probably the person that would have won that. If that had been a category for the high school yearbook, because that was not on my radar at all. I was very career oriented as a young woman and didn't even occur to me to get married. It wasn't even that I wanted to and didn't have the opportunity or that, that I was against it or for it or anything. I just didn't think about it because I had so much else going on. I was involved in ministry and just very busy. And so this, I feel like I've been surprised by joy in a lot of ways with, um, marriage and family and just the opportunity to homeschool my kids and um there's there's just an awful lot of grace that shows up in that i grew up in a family that was characterized really by alcoholism and mental illness so hmm. those two things together aren't very compelling that you'd look at it and say oh i want to have a family just like this when i grow up but I'm, I've learned so much along the way about that, and I don't I don't write about it a lot or even talk about it a lot. But um, one thing that people come out of an alcoholic family with is the idea that you're constantly guessing at what's normal. Huh. And that's something that keeps you really close to truth. You know, you really depend on. A straight line if you if your own line is crooked you know if you know going into life that your own line is wavy or or off center then then you're always just careful to stay close to the plumb line and that's that's been something I think that has been a change for me um, that I've just our greatest strength so often is our greatest weakness you know uh, you talked about how you know, I have a big garden and all that. I do. I, I work hard and I get a lot done every day. And that's one of my greatest strengths. But it's also my greatest weakness because Why? I can make that my idol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if you if you're all tied up with working hard and getting a lot done every day, it's pretty hard to sit down and read a book to somebody when you know this. You can't cross that off your list or to do a batch of cookies with a little person. It takes three times as long and makes twice as much mess. Um, but that's still the right thing to do. And it, you really are accomplishing more by involving that little person with you in the task. But it, you, ha you really have to change your whole way of looking at the world in order to see that. It is so. so true. And that's where we get our plumb line is looking at the world the way God uh, created it to be. Yet so many coming out of the similar background as you have had to come out of they don't look to the bible as their straight line they keep trying lots of different things what kept you close to uh the plumb line of the bible versus 
you could have gone off the deep end in 16 other ways. What do you think? Well, Besides God's grace. <laughs> well, one of the good things that God did right away was he brought godly women into my life. And there have been so many of them mm-hmm. as I was growing up when I was a teenager and a young woman had mentors that were strong in their faith and they involved me in their life. They would, there was one woman in particular, she, she bought two books. Uh, I think it was called Lord, I'm listening. It was a book about Bible journaling from way back in the seventies. And she bought each of us a notebook and she said, we're going to do this together. We're going to read this book together. We're going to keep a journal and, you know, just things like that, that I, I did not have anything to do with really. It was God intervening in my situation. And they, they were very, these, these people that I kept bumping into were always very, um, creative and thoughtful and they they really revealed god as um well who he is you know the attributes of god came through very strongly in their lives and and so i i was able to start following and it's i sure haven't done it perfectly that's Mm. for sure i i you know have had all kinds of detours off the path but he has been faithful Mm. wow Boy, doesn't that again remind us of the value of mentorship at any age? And right. the fact that these women saw something in you, they wanted to spend time with you. I'm so gratified myself having written that book on mentoring and going back and thinking, wow, and that woman and that woman, why did they like me besides the fact that I was so honest? And, right. <laughs> and the fact that God in his great grace gave me these wonderful women, many of whom one of my favorites has Alzheimer's now, so she wouldn't know me if she saw me. Oh, yeah, oh, that's hard. It is hard, but she was such an encouragement to me uh, when I was first teaching high school and uh, not knowing what I was doing at all. And uh, the fact that God graced you and blessed you with those women early on, I mean, what a testimony that is to our listeners to look around, listen to God, and is God prompting you to come alongside someone who's younger than you. They don't have to be that much younger. They could be, be younger in the Lord or maybe right. even teach them what you learned from the Bible that day. You know, I just think right. so exciting. So tell us about the book that you are uh, wanting to write and then we'll close with that. Well, I would like to do something about raising boys, believe it or oh. not. Um, oh, I believe it. I've been doing research on that for about 26 years. That's <laughs> how old my oldest son is. <laughs> so it would be fun to put that to work and I'm hoping that that, that will work out. You have a working um, title. I don't, I don't, I, I thought maybe about calling it boy energy <laughs> um, and oh. then having a subtitle be something like le- learning to love your unique, your uniquely gifted son or something like that. But I'm, I'm not sure how it's mm-hmm. all going to work out. I guess the, the title is, me the hardest part how how do you manage when you do titles for your blog posts do you struggle with titles uh they usually come to me and i rewrite them maybe six times and Mm -hmm. when i when i put them in to be scheduled i'll change it again but um my tendency is to have them too long and so i want them to kind of be in get their in and out you know to get people's attention but i what i learned from a conference was that the title is for you Let's see. The title is for you, and this tagline is for your audience. So that when they read the tagline, as you notice, all books published this day, these days, have two titles. 
the tag, when you read the tagline, you get what the author's trying to get at. So Mm. I can do the title, but then I have harder time with the tagline. Yes. So God will show you and lead you. And I can't wait till it's, I have lots of friends who could use that book who only have boys. Mm. So I'm encouraging you in that. And Michelle, is there anything else that you want to leave with um, my welcome heart audience today? That would be of encouragement. There's one question that I've been asking myself lately, and I think it's been, I think it's been there in my head for a lot of years, but I finally have got words put around it. And it has to do with legacy because it's about story. And I keep asking myself, what story do I want to be able to tell, you know, after the fact? And and that has helped me to make some good decisions lately. And and Uh, Michelle, your voice cut out. Would you mind repeating that question? What story do I want to be able to tell? For instance, with my grandchildren, I'm, I'm pretty busy right now, but I, I want to make room in my life for my grandchildren. I want them to be able to tell the story about a grandmother who cared about them and who did things with them. And it's not going to happen if I don't really do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't, I, I, we think of our stories going forward, but I'm, I'm trying to think about my story retroactively, kind of thinking about what will I want to be able to say? What will I want to be able to tell? about what I did or, or how I felt while I was doing it and, and to just let that happen, you know, so that I can, so that I can put the glory of God on display for one thing, but also just so that, so that, um, that legacy can really be a, a real thing rather than just something that I'm planning and hoping about. So let's just clarify this. When you say, what story do I want to be able to tell? Are you saying, what story do I want people around me to tell about me? Or are you talking about what you're telling about yourself? I'm confused. Probably both. Another, another example that I realized retroactively that I had thought this but didn't have words for, when we did our cross-country trip back when all of our kids were home, we traveled from Maine to California down the coast and back a southerly route. And, and there was one point at which we really thought, we just couldn't take it anymore. The, there had been a big blowout between two of the boys. And I could tell that my husband especially was thinking, you know, we need to just turn this ship around and sail back home. But I just couldn't stand the thought that we would say afterwards, well, we almost made it across the country. <laughs> I wanted the story to be that we made it across the country and we had a good time and we survived. And, you know, we did. And the memories are better every year because, of course, we forget the bad parts and we, we remember the good parts. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thankful that we did that because of the, the fact that we can tell that story. I love it. It's a good thing. It's so true. Our road trips are the stuff of family legend and they weren't fun at the time, but they're funny now. <laughs> well, bless you. It's been rich uh, interviewing you. I knew it would be. I prayed about it. And um, I'm so thankful that now more people will read, read you and read about you from this and that it will be a blessing as we think about what story do we want our lives to tell? That could have been the title of the broadcast uh, of the um, podcast, but making our lives count for the glory of God is not something that's uh, so vague. It's something we do. We wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what, what, day, what do you have for us in this day that would make you be on display? Right. And sometimes it's just little things where sometimes we're looking for these great, big, blinding, glorious things when mm-hmm. really sometimes it might be a small thing that we can do. It ends That's up right. being a big thing in the long run. 
Right. As far as uh, legacy and, and counting for eternity. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a delight. And hopefully we'll have to have you on again soon. And next time, maybe by the time this is broadcast, your book will be ready. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.